Welcome to Harvest Time. My name is Chris Harper, and our host on this program is Pastor Gary Walton, the pastor of Harvest Baptist Church. Each week, we tell the stories of our church as we often feature interviews with our members and other friends of the ministry. We'd like to invite you to join us this weekend at Harvest Baptist Church as we begin Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. We have adult Bible fellowships and children's programs. This week, during our Sunday morning worship service at 10.30 a.m., Liberating the Church, Part 2, from Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. Let's begin today's Harvest Time by welcoming Pastor Gary Walton. Hi, Pastor. Half a day, Chris. We're coming off this week, an awesome week of missions conference together, and we have in the studio with us Pastor Patrick Odell and his wife Ruth. I'm going to introduce them in just a minute. Yeah, we've just been a highlight of our whole year, and so I'm thrilled to be moving towards Sunday and uh, um, just the ministry of the Word and our church coming together. I think it's always awesome after you've had sort of a ministry highlight for the church to come together and debrief and think about what God has done during this time and rejoice in, you know, in His work in our lives. So we want to invite everybody to be a part of our services on Sunday. I think you gave times. We'll be coming back to the series that we've been in now for some months, connected with our theme for the year, Pursuing Our Mission, but we're working into Acts chapter 6, and as you mentioned, Chris, this actually is the second part of a message that we began on those first seven verses of Acts chapter 6 that are talking about what I think are the first deacons and really how the leadership of the church begins to develop as a result of some struggles that happened. You know, we were talking over the last few weeks about the idea that Satan is doing everything that he can to stop the progress of the church, and he's tried a couple different tactics. He tried persecution from the outside, and then it, that that only seemed to multiply the church, and then he tried to really bring some, some error in, and that whole Ananias and Sapphira story. And uh, now in the first part of Acts chapter 6, we have a, the potential for real division happening, and in particular among different nationalities and different ethnic groups. And so it's really amazing to watch the way that God protects his church and designs leadership to develop that should, you know, ideally helps the church to minister in unity. There are so many people that their experience in church is not one of unity, it's one of division. And this is not how God wants the church to operate. And so we're going to look again at what God said about how leadership is supposed to come along, what the role of deacons is, how that fits in with the church really continuing to pursue God's mission. The title is Liberating the Church. So we'll talk about that, what the deacon's role does to really allow the church to focus on ministry and not get sidetracked by disunity and and by sort of looking inside at maybe what I want or what I feel like I need. So we're excited about continuing that discussion this Sunday morning. So we have had a great time this week with a missions team that's been part of it, and uh, Pastor Patrick Odell and Ruth have been here. Pastor Odell is the keynote speaker, and so he's been uh, you know, leading the main messages uh, throughout the week. Uh, Pat and Ruth, both of you, I've known you guys for a long time. Faith and I have known you for a long time. Um, we met back when uh, I was just starting college, and Pat, I think, were you both in high school? Yeah, we you both were in, in high school. Juniors in high school. So, in fact, I was your counselor 
Indeed. Uh, as uh, <laughs> I wasn't, I was a couple of years older, still pretty young. We were both pretty young, but um, God's given us a friendship over a lot of years. We're so glad that you're here at Harvest. Welcome to Guam, um, and thankful for your ministry. You know, during this time. Thank you. We've had a wonderful time. It's been great to get to know the the island a little bit, but especially the people here at Harvest Baptist, and have felt very, very welcomed by everyone here. Why don't you back up to sort of the beginning for you guys and your story, your spiritual story. Tell us how you came to the Lord and what God had did in your life to bring you to the, eventually to this place. Okay, great. Be glad to do that. I People oftentimes ask me, were you raised in a Christian home? And my answer is really kind of, uh, well, maybe that's it, kind of, <laughs> in that uh, my mom came to know the Lord when I was a kid, when I was nine years old through a Bible study. And as a result of her coming to faith in Christ through that Bible study, she, of course, immediately was burdened for her family and hoping to uh, see her kids and her, and her husband come to know Christ as Savior. And so shortly after her salvation, she started taking us to church, started taking us to other evangelistic opportunities. And it was through one of those types of crusade, almost type of a meeting that I heard the gospel and realized I was a sinner that needed Jesus Christ as Savior and placed my faith and trust in Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Part of my testimony, too, is then the rest of my family, because my dad was very antagonistic toward the gospel. So it wasn't until I was 14 years old that uh, my dad came to faith in Christ, and then my sisters eventually made professions of faith as well. And so very thankful for God just reaching down to the life of a family in rural Nebraska and bringing us to faith in Christ. You guys met each other in high school, I think, but Mm -hmm. Ruth, you grew up in Minnesota, is that right? You grew up in Nebraska. Tell me a little bit about your background and your family. Sure. I was actually born um, when my parents were on deputation to be missionaries to Brazil. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Or I didn't remember that. Yep. They'd never made it to Brazil, but they went back to Minnesota to help my grandparents with the family farm, and it was there that I received Christ as my Savior. I was about four years old, and being farmers in the 70s, things were pretty tight. Mm -hmm. And my sister and I had been playing, and we broke the arm off of my doll. And we knew that there wasn't money for a new doll. Mm -hmm. And so I said, let's pray and ask God to help us put the arm back on. Mm -hmm. And she looked at me and said, well, God won't hear you because you're not saved. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know really what that meant, but I knew it was important to me that I could be able to talk to God and that he would hear me. So when my dad came in from doing the chores, he um, showed me how I could talk to God. And it was that night that I received Christ as my Savior as a four-year-old. Amen. It's, it's awesome the, w- the different ways that God calls each of us to him. And the stories are God's unique work in our lives and the things that he uses, you know, even right. for a young child. I mean, the Bible talks about this, that faith is just, just like a little child uh, for all of us. It's just putting our faith and trust in, in Jesus and, That's right. uh, and the forgiveness that he offers, you know, to each of us. So you guys met in high school. Tell us about that. <laughs> you you ask me to tell us about that because our, our versions of the story are a little bit different. Well, maybe uh, we should ask but, Ruth. But, but uh, I'll, I'll give my version oh, of the okay. story, and then maybe she, if she wants to give her version <laughs> of the story, that'd be fine as well. Uh, we were actually visiting friends in Minnesota. We were living still in Nebraska, and we were visiting friends in Minnesota. And we weren't attending a Baptist church. I really wasn't very familiar with the Baptist church but our friends were in Minnesota, and so they said, you know, we've got a wonderful church, a great youth group, and they're going to, going to have a youth activity this weekend, and you need to go to this youth activity, Pat. And so 
I was kind of skeptical about, you know, going to a place where I didn't know anybody. And they told me, though, that there are a lot of cute girls <laughs> in the youth group. And uh, that got me. And so I, I thought, I'll go then if they're cute girls. And I remember standing there in the basement of that little Baptist church in southeastern Minnesota and just kind of noticing the girls come in and thinking, ah, not very cute, not very cute. And I starting to think that they'd lied to me about <laughs> cute girls in the youth group. And then in walks Ruth, and wow. she was in, indeed a cute girl. And I noticed her immediately. She really, well, she can tell whether or not she was impressed or not. She wasn't very impressed with me. But <laughs> part of it was is that is that we played a game where they did this relay of toothpicks in your mouth, and you pass a lifesaver from toothpick to toothpick. And uh, of all yeah. things, she lined up behind me. I don't think on purpose. I think on accident. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we're we're about a foot difference in our height at that time. Maybe, maybe not quite that, but I proceeded to poke her gum with my toothpick as we tried to transfer the lifesaver. And uh, so that was our first meeting. Literally I drew blood. (laughs) And so that's part of why she probably wasn't too impressed with me. I don't know. Maybe there's more to it than her not being that impressed, but I did, I did get her address. We went back to Nebraska. I got her address and I started writing letters Mm. uh, to her from Nebraska and got to know each other via old school writing of letters that went in the mail. And then eventually my, my dad took a job there and we moved there and I was a farm kid. So I was used to working on the farm, but her parents, her, her mom ran all the newspaper routes in town. So I ended up getting a, a paper route because there weren't really options for me to work on the farm. And that's actually how we got to know each other is because I'd go over there every day to get my papers to deliver. And she delivered papers and pretty soon we're carrying our papers together on our paper routes. And one thing led to another. So we fell in love as uh, I was 14 and she was 15, just a couple of kids, just yeah. a couple of years ago. Yeah. <laughs> So God brought you together. You both went to Bible college, different Bible colleges. But mm-hmm. then, Pat, you know, God called you to ministry. At what mm-hmm. point along this area? Um, he started that work, I think, when I was probably 15, 16, okay. um, because there wasn't just one specific, yeah. you know, precise time where I knew for certain God was calling me to ministry. It was really probably a series that's really what I want things. to ask you about. Yeah. What does that mean? What did that look like for you? Yeah, yeah. Some of it was my own just personal devotions and study of the Word and, and sensing God wanting me to give my life to Him. Um, some of it was was preaching ministries and hearing messages about surrender and whether or not you're willing to do whatever God wants you to do. Uh, it was also a burden for, for people and, and having an impact through the gospel on other people's lives. Um, and then service. Uh, my, my pastor... I don't remember if I was a junior or senior. I think I was a senior in high school, and my pastor said, you're going to teach junior boys. And I remember being kind of terrified by that prospect of teaching a Sunday school class to junior boys. And yet I jumped into it and enjoyed it. I was also involved in other children's ministry. had an opportunity to lead my first kid to Christ about that time, and just that, of course, stoked a fire for for a ministry in my heart, and then just really had a burden for the next generation, especially. You know, we had a, we had a really good youth group, and I just assumed that all Baptist churches, all the kids wanted to live for, for Jesus Christ. And so we would do at youth activities and, and quickly found out there were kids that couldn't care less. Hmm. And that really just burdened my heart. I thought, who is impacting these other teenagers for Christ, walking into their lives on a relational level, trying to steer them toward the Lord? And that really burdened me for even the next generation. And so my initial call was a sense of, impacting the next generation for Christ. And the Lord led me into youth ministry as a result of that. And, and really just the more I had opportunity to serve, the more God confirmed in my heart that he wanted me in pastoral ministry. I want to ask you about that in a minute. But um, Ruth, why don't you tell us about your family? You have children and I think at least one grandchild, right? We do. We have four children. We have three girls and a boy. 
Our oldest daughter, Ellen, is married to Eric Locker, and they live in Alaska. He is the director of Higher Ground Baptist Bible College, Baptist Bible Camp. Okay. And they have our granddaughter, Emery. She's about 20 months old now, so and she's adorable. Yeah. And then we have Tori, who just married Temi less than a year ago. They live in Iowa, and they're very involved in the campus ministry there at Iowa State University. Okay. And then Julia still lives in Elyria. She's in an apartment with a friend. She works at the church as one of our secretaries there. And then Carson's our senior. He lives at home. He's headed off to Faith Baptist Bible College in the fall. Okay, great. Pat, you are the senior pastor at First Baptist Church in Elyria, and it's a church that has a real heart for missions. It has a long history of connection with missions. Yeah, it really does. We're very thankful for the heritage. The church is about 183 or 4 years old, so it's a it has a wonderful heritage that way. But also, over the years, God's used it to be a part of, of major missions movements. Baptist Mid-Missions was actually birthed in a prayer room of one of our previous buildings as William Haas, who had been to Africa, came back after uh, no longer being able to be associated with a non-denominational missions group, came back with a burden to start a Baptist mission agency. And so he met with a number of pastors in that prayer room at First Baptist. Uh, It'll be 100 years ago this fall. Wow. Yeah. And from that, they began what eventually became Baptist Mid-Missions. They used a really, really long name to start with, but it eventually became Baptist Mid-Missions. And his heart was to reach portions of nations beyond the coast. That The whole concept of mid was his burden for middle Africa, where, where really no missionaries were at that time taking the gospel of Christ. So First Baptist had a part in that, and ever since has been very closely linked with Baptist Mid-Missions. Uh, another agency, actually, where my wife works, is now called Baptist Church Planters. Again, mm-hmm. it, it's gone through a number of iterations of names, but uh, that was really the burden of one of the pastors of First Baptist to do more in North America to plant churches. And so we've had a great relationship with those two agencies, but also have had a wonderful opportunity to be a sending church for a, a number of missionaries over the years. And currently we have a number of missionaries around the world that are grown up at First Baptist and have been launched out into gospel ministry around the world. Your church has been so generous in giving well, really people to missions, and so many people have been called out of the church, supporting a lot of missionaries and given to different projects. In fact, recently, your First Baptist in Elyria was part of adopting mm-hmm. a uh, Bible translation project. That's close yeah. to my heart, and I think the church gave $100,000 towards a Bible right. translation project. That's right. Yeah, and we're grateful to you uh, for kind of putting that burden in our hearts as we were as a church considering different projects and opportunities in relationship to a capital campaign. We didn't want to just do a campaign that was focused on us, mm-hmm. trying to pay off a mortgage and, and things like that. We wanted to look globally and beyond our own building and borders. And so you really uh, were used to the Lord to put that burden on, on not just my heart, but on the hearts of all of our, our people and adopt the die translation in Chad, Africa. It was just exciting to hear about this people group of around 100,000 mm-hmm. that didn't have the Old Testament. They had had the New Testament for a number of decades but never the Old Testament. And so it's thrilling to me to read the, the prayer letters and the emails and to hear about the progress reports of how that's coming along. And hopefully within the next 
eight to 12 months, they will officially dedicate that and present that Old Testament to the Dai people there in, in Chad, Africa. So we're, we're thrilled because we know that when a people group gets the whole Bible in their heart language, it has a significant spiritual impact on them. And it was just a wonderful way to invest God's money in something that'll pay eternally. Yeah, you know, I've talked about this before, and of course I have such a burden for Bible translation work, but the reality is that our lives, they're only going to last so long, our personal right. ministry is. Even the churches that we're a part of, there's no guarantee that those right. churches are going to be here 20, 40, 60 years. I mean, we hope that they will, remaining faithful. But when the scriptures are translated into the diet language, it's going to impact generation after generation Amen. after generation. And so the internal significance of that ministry and that, yeah, that burden, you know, mm -hmm. that your church has had. It's really exciting for me to, to see you guys be part of that. And I, I'm excited, too, that the Die people have the completed Bible. They've been waiting Amen. a long time. <laughs> and it's right. an opportunity to talk with many of the Die people a few years ago in Chad, and they're anxious for that scriptures to be mm -hmm. completed. So that's exciting. Yeah, we agree. So you've been here for um, about a little less than a week. Tell me what are some of your impressions about Guam, impressions about Harvest? Number one, Guam's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> I know that everybody listening knows that already, but uh, we had never been on the island before. So we appreciate you being our little tour guide there for a day and showing us around at least a portion of the island. Uh, but also the people have just been so warm, so friendly. We just feel very much at home here, both on the island as well as, and especially at, at Harvest Baptist. So it, it's just been exciting to see. But it's also exciting to see the the breadth and the depth of the ministry of Harvest Baptist and how God is using that to impact uh, so many from for Christ, whether the, it be the church itself or uh, the Christian school with nearly a 1,000 students. Harvest Baptist Bible College has really been exciting to interact with the students from all over the islands who are here training to serve the Lord, realizing that in, in some cases they'll go back to islands where maybe there aren't a lot of believers and they'll have opportunity to take the gospel back to where God is calling them to share the gospel. And then I've appreciated the church's burden for missions, period, mm. that it, not just the islands, but to realize that the call of missions is to take the gospel to every uh, tongue and tribe and people and nation. And this church really seems to have a great, great burden for uh, taking the gospel around the world. God's been using the missions conference of this past week in a really powerful way for our church and in our lives individually. I want to just kind of remember a couple things that God's used you, Patrick, in your preaching ministry to remind us of. On Monday night, talking from Matthew chapter 9 about the harvest, but you made this statement. You said, you will never be happy unless you're totally surrendered to the will of God. Mm -hmm. And what were you thinking about yeah, when you said yeah. that? What's that mean? Well, I was thinking about a missionary because that goes back to, I believe, yeah, it was my senior year of high school, and I was just grappling with God's will for my life and uh, what he wanted me to do. And honestly, a big part of that was in relationship to Ruth and myself mm. and uh, whether or not he was leading me to go to a different Bible college than, than she was planning on going to and not wanting to. I sensed God was leading me somewhere else, mm -hmm. and she was planning on going to Northland. I was planning. I, I, I didn't know where I was planning on going. I wanted to go to Northland, let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. um, and that missionary just talked about surrender. He had served the Lord for probably nearly 40 years in Africa, 
Harold Dark was his name. Oh, yeah. And later on, we I'd grow to love and appreciate Harold Dark. He actually was a member of a church where I got to be the assistant pastor. But I don't remember the rest of the message. I just remember that one line and realized that there was no way I was going to be happy if I was out of the will of God. I had to follow God. I had to surrender completely to him. And so I remember that night going forward and the invitation time and then seeking out my pastor and sitting down with him and spending time with him, praying with him and him helping me to just navigate what uh, God's will was for my life. And, and really that surrender is not a matter of just the big decisions of life. Sometimes right. we tend to think that way, that, that surrender is when you make the big decisions of life, but it's just life period. You know, every day we're called to be a, a living sacrifice and we so, as as has been said by so many people, we're so apt to crawl off the altar of sacrifice mm-hmm. and live life for our, ourselves. And so every single day we have to say, Lord, I'm yours, and I just want to follow you and be completely surrendered to God's will. And so I've tried to live that. Obviously, I haven't lived that perfectly uh, all of my life, but I've tried to live a, a surrendered life and, and follow God's plan for my life each and every day. Our burden as a church, and particularly in this missions conference, is that each part of the Harvest family, each member, would make those types of commitments, those surrendered decisions that give God everything. And in the process, we believe that as we do, God's going to take some and he's going to separate them out and call them to missions Mm -hmm. around the world. And so it's a great burden for us, and it was a good challenge. Last night, we were talking about just, uh, I think the title was Joyful Generosity, but as we're talking about this idea of untold millions or untold billions are still untold, and as a church, we want to be a part of that that mission to reach as many as we possibly can to extend our ministry. And, and there's a number of different feet that we can put to that mission, to that task. But part of it is we want to be joyful givers in order that we could send and help as many missionaries as possible. And you said a couple interesting things last night I thought that were so helpful. One in particular that maybe we'll just ask you about is you made this statement that uh, we're going to have to discipline ourselves to live sacrificially in order to give generously. Hmm. Part of that came out of our tendency as American Christians to become so materialistic and to allow our maybe even our standard of living to be American, you know, in in terms of, I think it was Randy Alcorn talked about how oftentimes when people get raises or get a new career or they make more money, they increase their standard of living when they could just increase their standard of giving. Mm. And that we're so apt to do. We're so apt to uh, increase our expenses to reach or even oftentimes exceed what our income is instead of thinking in terms of how could I use these are resources that God has blessed me with to in some way impact souls for Jesus Christ. And so to not have to always have bigger and better and more things on a material level in order to be able to give more on a spiritual level to utilize those resources for the Lord and his work around the world and just the lifestyle that we, we shouldn't automatically assume since we are Americans that we should fit into the lifestyle of, of materialistic America. Yeah, you asked the question, if you're living comfortably, are you living biblically? Hmm. And maybe God hasn't called us to comfortable living. In fact, it seems like the examples of Scripture are sacrificial living. And uh, if we would all live that way, what God could do 
as we are able to invest then in eternal kinds of things. So thank you so much for the ministry of the word during these days and the way that God's used you both in your testimonies before us. I've appreciated our friendships with both of you for a lot of years now. Thankful to be friends, you know, just personally, but friends in ministry as well. Watching the way that God's been using you guys. And and thank you for being willing. Thank you to your church, too, for releasing you a little bit to be able Mm -hmm. to come out and spend these days with us. It's been a great blessing. Thank you. It's been our pleasure, and we've really, really enjoyed being here. Well, thank you for listening to Harvest Time. As always, at this point in the program, we want to personally invite you to services this weekend at Harvest Baptist Church. During our Sunday morning worship service, 1030 a.m., we'll be focusing on liberating the church. This will be part two of that message from Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. If you're not sure where to go when you get here, you can stop by our Welcome Center, which is right out in front of the auditorium. You can get directions to your class or to your children's class. And if you want any more information, go to hbcguam.org, hbcguam.org. And thanks again for listening to Harvest Time.